When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 230 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's episode, we are discussing all things coffee. Most people don't think about the environmental or ethical considerations associated with coffee, right? We just like what we like. But coffee is a crop. And to be more specific, the coffee bean we know and love is actually a coffee cherry that grows on the branches of a coffee tree. And so coffee then is subject to all of the same ethical and environmental considerations associated with any crop that is produced for the masses. So if you've always been buying the same brand of coffee in the bag from the supermarket, or if you've been heading to your local neighborhood coffee shop for years because you like what you like, this is the episode for you. Today I'm speaking with David Sells. David is the co-founder of Better Grounds, an organic coffee subscription service. David, I'm really excited to talk to you today. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks, Stephanie. Excited to talk to you as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about how you decided out of all the jobs on the planet, you were going to co-found a subscription service for coffee. It really started with my own aha moment. And that was going to a local cafe, specialty coffee shop that had, you know, manual brew, pour over coffee that was very origin specific. And for me, coffee was coffee. Go to Starbucks, you get a dark roast coffee, that's great. What I used to like was dark coffee. And the thing with dark roast coffee is that really dark roast coffee tends to roast away all of that you know, unique flavor, all of the origin profile. And so I equated dark roast to strong and bold coffee taste and light roast to, to really watery. So it was when I went to this you know, local specialty shop and had this really light roast coffee that was made with care. And I just tasted this bouquet of fruit and I ta- you know, could taste in it the blueberry and the lemon. Uh, and it was just a whole new experience, an aha moment. That is really what set me on the coffee journey. And along with my longtime friend and now business partner, Tyler, we recently launched Better Grounds, which, as, as you mentioned, is an all-organic specialty coffee subscription. Basically, what we're out to do is discover and partner with roasters across the country who are pushing for both a more environmentally as well as a more economically sustainable future in coffee. I love that. You said made with care, I believe is the term you used for that first cup of flavorful coffee. I am embarrassed to admit this, but I 
before in my previous life as a teacher, I would stop at Dunkin' Donuts. I don't even know if you know what Dunkin' Donuts is, but it's this like chain of cruddy coffee here in New England. I would stop at Dunkin' Donuts every single morning and those cups of coffee weren't made with care and I didn't taste any fruity goodness in my mouth, but I like what I like and it took me a long time to find the bag that I like, my go-to at the supermarket. So the thought of changing such a deeply embedded routine, you know, I don't like change. I, I like what I like and I want to stick with it. I'm wondering if we could start this conversation by you telling me, teaching me and my listeners, like, what is it that we perhaps don't know about our coffee from an environmental perspective? Yeah, great, great question. So uh, there are really four sort of uh, considerations that would call attention to. One of those being quality, uh, alluded to sort of economic sustainability, uh, health considerations, and then environmental sustainability, which is that, that last point that you hit on. So sort of first talking about the environmental considerations that are at play. A lot of the coffee that we are seeing and buying in the supermarket on the shelves or at sort of these more global chain cafes, this is commodity grade coffee or lower grade specialty coffee. So a lot of this is coming from large mono crop farms. And there are a whole host of negative unintended consequences that do come from that. So if we look at, say, the largest coffee producing region in the world, which is Brazil, similar to a lot of the other large scale agriculture that we um, have become very familiar with and aware of, you know, large scale animal agriculture, coffee is, is uh, a very similar story where you have a lot of deforestation that deforestation is devastating to the you know, root systems, to the ecosystems that surround those coffee plantations. Other challenges with that conventional uh, coffee production is that when you do cut down your native forest and trees that surround coffee, coffee is meant to grow under a canopy of trees. So a lot of that shade that is provided by those canopy trees also protect coffee from invasive species uh, like insects. So what happens when we're not only cutting down this land, but now all of a sudden there are complications with invasive species. So how do we combat those invasive species? We treat them with a whole host of chemicals, which includes pesticides and herbicides. And unfortunately, conventional coffee is one of the most chemically treated crops in the world. Negative health considerations for those farmers and farm workers who are uh, handling the crops, who are spraying the chemicals, those in surrounding communities who are impacted by the air and the water um, that is now saturated with these chemicals. Then, of course, when it, when it comes to us, there are the considerations of what residual chemicals remain in those cups. Being so heavily treated, one thing you typically hear is that uh, some of those chemicals are roasted off during the roasting process. Uh, however, there's no good uh, regulation or standards uh, to identify what residual chemicals remain in that cup that we're, we're drinking every single day. So what are the price differences then? I know organic food is more expensive than its conventional counterparts. Is there a big price difference when we're talking about organic or perhaps even fair trade coffee? 
typically see a couple factors at play when, when we talk about price. Fair trade and organic are both going to drive up price minimums. So one incentive for farmers to obtain an organic certification is that they are going to be able to obtain a higher price. So if we're talking first about commodity coffee, uh, so this is coffee that like a lot of the other largest agricultural products, uh, wheat and soy, uh, these are traded on the open market in really large lots by global buyers who are focused on keeping prices low. So when buying that commodity-grade coffee, there is a premium that's assigned to organic coffee on that open market. Similar to fair trade, there are minimum prices set by the fair trade certification for the price of coffee at export. The one sort of element then though that, that adds into that price scale becomes the quality component. So even when talking about organic, even when talking about fair trade, there is a wide gap between commodity coffee and then you know what we consider specialty grade. Now when we talk about specialty coffee, specialty coffee is defined by the Specialty Coffee Association as any coffee that scores 80 points or above on a scale of a hundred coffee that is grown at the right altitude in the right conditions in really healthy nutrient-rich soil that's harvested at the right time is going to produce a much better taste experience than, say, that commodity coffee that is maybe not grown at the optimal conditions and is used, you know, uh, treated with chemicals and things of that nature to boost the yield of that coffee. When we layer in that specialty component, that's where that price becomes a sliding scale. So it's, it's, I would equate that to, you know, the majority of products that we find on the shelves, right? There are a lot of really low cost uh, products that are accessible to us today, but oftentimes we look at the, that end of the spectrum and, you know, where are the low cost food items? These tend to be your heavily processed foods, right? Where we don't have a good sense of where those ingredients are sourced from. Hmm. A question I often ask myself when making a purchasing decision, not necessarily with just coffee, but with anything is ask myself, is this too cheap? Who's paying for the the cheapness here? Somebody or something is always paying that difference. So if you're used to buying a bag of coffee for $4, that to me sounds too cheap, right? <laughs> There's so many moving parts to grow coffee, roast coffee, ship coffee, to get it into your local supermarket. $4 doesn't seem to, to cover all those aspects. You were mentioning the difference between commodity coffee and specialty coffee. Is there a huge difference in taste? And I know you're going to say yes, but I guess a better way to ask this question would be, can somebody like me who likes coffee but is not an aficionado by any means, am I going to taste the quality difference? Absolutely. So when we talk about uh, quality in coffee, the, that flavor spectrum is extremely diverse. So what a lot of us don't realize is coffee actually has more flavor compounds than wine based on uh, the nutrients in that soil, based on that altitude that it's grown at based on the variety of coffee, hundreds of varietals of coffee within sort of broader uh, categories of Arabica, Robusta. There's a whole world of these different plant species that are grown that on their own are going to produce a different flavor profile. And then the soil that they're grown in is going to produce a different flavor profile. 
But one thing to consider when we're experiencing that flavor is that coffee does go stale. So when we talk about quality, another component to better understand when we're making coffee purchasing decisions is when was this coffee roasted by? If the roast state is on a bag of coffee, we want to try to buy coffee within the first three weeks of when it was roasted. So whole bean coffee starts to lose its peak flavor after three weeks of being roasted. Ground coffee really starts to lose a lot of its flavor compounds within an hour of being ground. So if we're drinking fresh coffee that is well-sourced, that is more regionally focused, where it's going to retain a lot of that uh, stronger origin character profile of the region that it was sourced from, we can really start to experience those unique flavors that that, that individual coffees have. Hmm. What I love about talking to you is that I just get the passion in your voice. You clearly love coffee and it makes me want to love it as well. I usually use coffee as for the caffeine, right? Wake up, get my life together. But you're talking about flavor profiles. You're talking about different hints of this and that. And like, I'm on board. So I want to talk to you about some simple steps my listeners can take as they seek to tweak the way they do their coffee routines. We're going to get into all of that after a quick word from this week's sponsor. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back with Dave Sells, co-founder of Better Grounds, an organic coffee subscription service. Dave, I want to talk to you about fair trade coffee because I feel as though when it comes to fair trade, the two products that come to my mind is coffee and chocolate. So where does the fair trade certification fall in with this conversation? 
And what are your thoughts? If there's a fair trade logo on a bag of coffee, should we assume that that's where we should put our money or am I missing something? This really brings us back to the economic sustainability portion of coffee. There has long been a price problem in coffee. Coffee prices are dictated by the commodity market. Uh, So regardless of where the coffee is grown, regardless of the cost of living in those different countries, which may be very different in Colombia compared to in Burundi or somewhere in Indonesia and these different coffee producing regions, but we have global markets that dictate the, the price of coffee. That commodity price of coffee, the majority of coffee that's being bought, the price being paid just simply does not provide for living wages for producers. Oftentimes, the price of coffee uh, that actually, the amount of, of, of what's paid for coffee that actually makes it back to a farmer is lower than the production cost. So what we're finding in coffee is that it's not a viable business for a lot of people. So fair trade was established to protect some of these prices and to establish a higher floor for the prices paid for a pound of coffee at export to ensure that living wages were provided to producers who were selling their coffee on the open market. The challenge with fair trade is that oftentimes that price is just held below where the living wage price really needs to be. So currently, we actually have a fair trade price of $1.40 per pound that sits below the current you know, commodity market price of $2 per pound. While fair trade has done wonders to start the conversation to raise concerns around prices paid, as mentioned, that price has just stayed too low and is not dynamic enough to account for what the change in real living wages are. So you bring up a lot of really important points there. I would say for myself and for my listeners who don't know half as much about coffee as you do, we would go to the store. We would perhaps, if we're trying to make an ethical purchase, we would look for the one with that third-party certification, the fair trade label. We would take it home and we would feel good about ourselves. With all the pitfalls associated with the fair trade certification on coffee, How should we, how can we shop more mindfully for coffee? And I guess a better way to ask this question would be, how do you shop for coffee? It really all starts with seeking to understand where our products came from. So like we talked about with food and with our produce, um, the best thing that we can always do as a consumer is try to understand where did this product come from? What's the impact that it had along the way? One thing that is always uh, a good practice is to find a brand that you know you can know and trust that they are asking those questions and that they're doing that due diligence. To your point, the one thing that differs with coffee from produce is that a lot of us go to our local farmers markets or can and we can talk to the farmers and we can ask about their growing practices. So even if they don't have a certification attached to it, they can tell us that they're not certified, but they can explain their farm practices. They'll invite us out, you know, to see the farm if if we're uh, if we're interested, we don't have that luxury. We can't travel to and talk to the farmer, uh, you know, in Ethiopia or Burundi. There's there's a little bit more of a barrier there. So how do we find the people who we're comfortable with, knowing that they are doing the due diligence, so that when we buy that bag of coffee, we can truly feel good about not only the health implications for ourselves and the experience that we're going to have, but also that impact it had on the people and the planet along the way. Organic certification is tremendous signaling, right? Fair trade certification is is, is still a good indication, right? I think with all certifications, they are not perfect. However, supporting certifications is signaling, right? So even if the fair trade minimum falls short, 
a coffee can be fair trade certified, it doesn't mean that that roaster did not go above and beyond and pay more than the fair trade. So by buying fair trade, we are still signaling that you know this is something the market cares about. Um, another thing to look for would be the region that the coffee was grown in. So if we just buy a bag of coffee and it just says Brazil across it, Brazil is by far the largest producing country in the world. Over a third of the coffee in the world is grown in Brazil. And unfortunately, when we talk about you know a lot of the ethical uh, concerns around coffee, when we talk about uh, a lot of the farm concerns around coffee, Brazil does not have the best reputation. And a lot of that has been driven by the desire to decrease input costs to feed low prices at the consumer level, which leads to the deforestation and using chemicals in an attempt to, to increase yield. If a coffee talks about the farm or it talks about the region that it was grown in, that's both going to lead to a most likely more unique taste experience, but it's also a pretty good indicator that there was more thought put around you know, how that coffee was purchased. Uh, we talked about roast date, looking for roast date. If you buy a coffee that is two weeks uh, off of the roast date, well, odds are that the people who are sourcing and are roasting this coffee um, are also more thoughtful about other practices because they care about that quality. They care about freshness. So that's a good indicator of what went into the, the sourcing of that, of that coffee. You gave so many really great tips, but the question that comes to my mind is, can we find the coffee that you've just so aptly described? Can the average listener find that coffee in their run-of-the-mill average supermarket? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so I think we're seeing more and more local roasters uh, who are you know thoughtful about the, their sourcing and roasting practices, who are partnering with grocery stores, and we're seeing more local coffee show up on the shelves. So buying and supporting those local roasters, but also uh, accessibility online. So has, of course, you know, opened up a world to all of the people out there. And sort of what we found is that finding that coffee that met the intersection of both quality and sustainability can be really, really challenging. So sometimes going out and finding those brands, finding those roasters who are doing better, who are driving towards that transparency has never been more accessible than, than it is today. Hmm. So I want to talk to you about two more things. I want to talk to you about Better Grounds, but I also want to ask you how you roast your cup of coffee. <laughs> Do you French press it? Do you, um, I don't even know. Do you have a drip machine? I want to know all of that because I've never talked to somebody who knows so much about coffee before and I need to glean all the wisdom. Before we do that, let's talk about Better Grounds. I alluded to it being a subscription service. Talk to me about it. How does it work? Great question. So uh, what we're doing is we are talking to and partnering with roasters and importers who are sourcing this exceptional coffee that um, you know meets these different pillars of economic, environmental, sustainability, as well as taste, right? So not to lose sight of the not only organic coffee that's also good for the people growing it, but these are exceptional, you know, coffees that that provide for really, really unique taste experience. Uh, so we partner with a new roaster every single month and 
our goal is to tell the story of that roaster, to tell the story of that coffee and where it came from. So we want to be that source of due diligence for people so that you know when you get a cup of coffee, not only is it going to be something that's new and unique and exciting to try, but also you can feel really, really confident in the health implications as well as the impact that it had on the people and the planet along the way. Uh, so for subscribers, that means you can select the roast profile, um, can select whole bean or ground coffee, uh, can select the quantity of coffee, and that's going to be delivered to you uh, every month. What I love about Better Grounds is that it solves a major problem for me as a consumer. I do not have time to personally vet the coffee that I'm drinking every morning. And so you're essentially doing that for me every single month. So now I have to ask you, tell me all about how you prepare your morning cup of coffee. What do you do and what can I do to make my morning cup of coffee taste better? Well, just just like coffee is incredibly diverse, uh, you know, from a, you know, origin and flavor profile, the brewing methods are also just as diverse. So uh, I will admit that, um, you know, I, I, I do, uh, my, my wife does question my decision to bring additional coffee equipment in the house because sometimes some say it looks like a chemistry lab, but part of the fun, and clearly I'm, I'm an enthusiast on a whole different level, but there are no shortage of brew methods. So depending on the day, I typically enjoy uh, manual brew methods, you know, which means grinding and heating the, the kettle, uh, gooseneck kettle and, you know, having a cone uh, pour over cup that I'm, you know, pouring my coffee uh, over every day. An AeroPress is, is, is a really interesting device that's very versatile that I'll use. Pour over is something that I really enjoy. But recognizing that we don't all have the desire or ability, right, to take the time in the morning to make a pour over cup of, 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 of coffee. The automatic brewers, coffee pots have come a long way. Uh, French presses are, you know, very easy to use, user-friendly tools. Um, so really what's important is finding what you like. So, you know, I tend to like a really clean cup. So if you're, you know, having a uh, pour over coffee that's going through a metal, metal cone filter, that's going to fill filter out more of the oils and the compounds that might end up in a French press, which gives a French press a little bit more of a, you know, rich, creamy mouthfeel and a little bit more body. So it comes down to preference and it comes down to time. When we talk about, you know, the increased cost uh, of drinking better quality coffee, one way that we can, you know, reduce that cost is reducing waste. So, you know, I think a lot of times there's a habit of building, you know, brewing. And what I found for myself is that if I, you know, get in the habit of waking up and I, I brew, you know, a, a full pot of coffee, well, I might have a couple of cups off of that and I never get back to it. And then I find myself throwing out coffee. So um, that's what prompted me to switch to a more manual brew method was uh, in order to reduce waste. But for, you know, a household, you know, where there are a lot of, you know, a lot of mugs being filled with the, with the coffee pot, that's, that's a great, great approach too. Well, I must say, I would love to, maybe you can take a picture of your chemistry lab <laughs> and send it to me. I'd love to see. I'm over here thinking I'm so smart and special with my French press, but you just put me to shame. Tell me where listeners can learn more about Better Grounds. Absolutely. So we can be found at uh, bettergrounds.co, that's .co, um, as well as follow us on Instagram at bettergrounds. And for any listeners who are interested in giving us a try, we have a promo code for podcast listeners, which is code minimalist. 
Um, and with that code, uh, listeners will be able to receive 50% off their first month's coffee. Well, Dave, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You have given me a lot of excitement to do some things a little bit differently. I want to taste all the flavors in my morning cup. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Stephanie. It's been great talking with you and appreciate you having me on. Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with David Sells. I have linked to everything we've talked about today and this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 230. Now, after David and I chatted and recorded it, he wrote to me and he said, you know what, Stephanie, I want to give away some free coffee. So David so generously offered to give away two months of organic free coffee for one of you lucky listeners and for one of your friends. You get to pick a friend and you get to give them two months of free organic coffee as well. So we're running this giveaway on Instagram just because it's easiest. I've linked to the details and how to enter to win in this week's show notes also at yet again mamaminimalist.com forward slash 230. I will see you on Thursday my friends. Good luck winning that coffee and take care. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.